mechanical engineers are called the people who run the world. Hey guys, we are back with another episode of the STEM Power podcast series. My name is Sid. And my name is Valerie. Joined with us today is Professor Amiri Kianush Kiani. So, Professor Kiani, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, what is it that you do? Thank you. So, uh, yeah, my name is Kiano Kiani, and I am an assistant professor at Ontario Tech University. I'm working in, in the Department of Mechanical and Manufacturing Engineering. Uh, my field of research, my field of research is laser nanofabrication. In fact, uh, we are using laser as a uh, tools to manufacture nanomaterials for a wide range of applications from biomedical engineering, energy storage system, solar cell system, and advanced sensor fabrication. Uh, my academic journey kind of you know, was very long and interesting. I got my bachelor in Iran, my master in Ukraine, and my PhD in Canada. Three different continents, countries, languages, and uh, academic systems. Uh, so, uh, yeah, now I'm here in Canada and uh, uh, teaching mechanical engineering and conducting research in mechanical engineering topics. Nice. Perfect. All right. So let's get right into our first question. So really, there's a, a multitude of different fields in engineering. So specifically, what, uh, why did you choose to study mechanical engineering? Uh, so for me, like many other engineers, the love of engineering in general, and especially for the mechanical field, started from my childhood. Uh, one of the most favorite thing in my grandmother's house, I remember it was her hand power uh, sewing machine. I was always got amazed, you know, by looking how it works. And one day that machine got broken. My dad reassembled the machine and I completely mesmerized with what I was seeing for the first time. You know, a lot of mechanical and moving parts, components, that are integrated together to transfer the force and movement, you know, from rotatory wheels to a needle. Uh, I never, you know, <laughs> forgot that moment that uh, I couldn't control my curiosity. Also, I was banned not to touch it because it isn't for kids, but I couldn't control myself. Whenever I had the chance, I wanted to open it, look in, inside, mm -hmm. you know, and later on, you know, during my uh, engineering study, uh, a lot of design projects that I did, to be honest, I inspired with uh, the components, the system that I saw in that uh, sewing machine. Wow. The other, you know, things that I really liked during my childhood, it was reading. Mm. And my childhood favorite book, it was Mysterious Island by Jules Verne. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard about that one. This is uh, about the group of people that uh, they got stuck in the island, in Mysterious Island. And uh, my favorite character in that book, it was Cyrus Smith, the engineer. His hands-on experience and his very efficient engineering design, uh, in fact, changed the livelihood of his companions, mm -hmm. Caspace, in the island, you know, completely. So the, 
the difference between living a wooden broken shack beside the sandy beach and living in a you know granite house with the telegraph machine, all those you know the tools, machine system. I mean, it was kind of you know, very amazing. I, from after reading that book, I said, well, I want to be an engineer. I want to be an engineer <laughs> because of that character. <laughs> wow, that's an amazing experience to have for sure, and. Um, I think like it's very inspiring to see someone like a father figure like your dad who made who remade something um, which could have inspired your career in a sense. So yeah, what was your first um, engineering design? Oh, my joyful one I can recall now. Uh, I remember that I redesigned my school wooden desk homework from a very small, tiny model to a real and practical one that I could use in my uh, room as my study desk for <laughs> many years. And I was really proud of designing, you know, that special desk with special functions. Uh, in more serious work, maybe uh, what I remember as my first engineer design in my career, uh, I work in a company related to the sales mills. And uh, I remember that the air conditioning system that they had for that industrial hall was very uh, old and uh, inefficient. So uh, they gave me as a first task to design and they just wanted to train me. They, they didn't take it very serious, but uh, I remember that I changed the design completely instead of using force air system I propose using air washer, you know, uh, system for uh, ventilation of the air for cooling and heating. And uh, when I presented for the first time, uh, I remember my supervisor said that uh, I just gave you this task to kind of, you know, have some practice and training, but we didn't take it that serious at that time. But mm -hmm. it seems that what you offer, <laughs> Is a serious thing and we, we need to consider it. I, I was very proud at that time. Although I had a lot of, you know, for sure as my first design, uh, it was a lot of mistake, a small mistake maybe, or because of lack of experience, but uh, I never forgot the moment you know, that I had after my presentation. Awesome. So I'm sure in your career as an engineer, you've met a lot of people. So what would you say is the top soft skill a mechanical engineer must have? So is it creativity? Is it critical thinking? What would you say in your opinion is the most important? It's a really good question. So uh, mechanical engineer are called the people who run the world. Absolutely. <laughs> <my opinion>. Yeah. <laughs> We make a common people life, you know, easier and provide them comfort. So this is a uh, kind of, you know, very important responsibility. And we should have required the skills to do so. Uh, personally, I think that the passion for creating, maintaining a new product or tools uh, can be listed for sure. Mm -hmm. More general answer, I can say the skill to use the creativity and the mathematics in practical and real world. Right. Okay. So being mechanical engineering, in my opinion, requires a high level of creativity for sure. Mm -hmm. As a mechanical engineer, yeah, we yeah. should know how not to rely on the way things have been done before. We should be creative. Uh, so the first wheel, the first compass, the first aeroplane, all of these, they were engineered solution, mm. which advanced, you know, human progress. And 
you know, that's why, you know, creativity for sure is a must for an engineer. Oh, well, what skill would you say you've learned recently in terms of engineering? Uh, in my career as a professor, so I'm working with a group of uh, researchers, young researcher students, with my colleagues, and I'm involved in, uh, for sure, different projects at the same time. It's not like my, for example, uh, PhD student or master's student that I have, uh, I had my own project to work with. So that's why uh, I learn more about the management skill, quality engineering. Uh, working with industry helped me to understand more uh, about the practical aspects uh, of quality engineering and uh, project management. Uh, for example, the idea of using uh, statistical tools and methods to develop or mass produce high quality goods and avoid the high cost of low quality return or early maintenance. These are the new things that uh, I learned. And I'm going to tell you something in working in engineering world is every day is, uh, I mean, every day is a learning day. There are a lot of, you know, reaction, there are a lot of, you know, feedback. There are a lot of, you know, it's a kind of, you know, it's, a, it's like a cycle, whatever you design, mm -hmm. whatever you propose, you receive something, but you learn something from it. And uh, every day I learn something new. Yeah, cool. All right. So our next question, uh, what was your most successful engineering project that you've been a part of or maybe that you led? Uh, working in uh, nanotechnology and nanofabrication uh, related, uh, uh, I mean, I have been working in that uh, field for maybe uh, 15 years. So as I said, we use laser for uh, nanofabrication for nanotechnology you know, related project. Uh, so uh, one of the project that uh, we had is, uh, is fabrication of nanowires of uh, silicon for new generation of the sensors. Because uh, you know, when we talk about the sensors, uh, each sensor has a sensing uh, structure or device. So, uh, and the surface of the sensor is very important. For example, uh, in let's say CO or a smoke detector, we have a small uh, sensing surface, uh, which is supposed to detect uh, the early particle of the smoke or the first molecule of the CO. Uh, so the having the high surface area or high, I mean, large surface for interaction with the sensing surface and media environment is very important. So the method that we had for fabrication of nano network silicon, uh, we share the result with our industrial partner. They really like it and uh, our method is now commercialized uh, and I can see that people are using it in sensor fabrication. At least this is the plan of the company to use it in their own product in the near future. This is something that whenever I think about it, you know, uh, I've become very proud and I'm really amazed about, about it for sure. Yeah, that is an amazing achievement to have and definitely impacts a lot of people. Um, but in a team setting, would you, sorry, in a project setting, would you prefer working with a team or solo? Uh, we all know about the proverb said that teamwork 
make the dream work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nowhere is it more crucial and maybe important within an engineering, you know, project. Uh, so when we talk about teamwork, so I think, uh, first of all, we have to define it exactly. What does it mean uh, in uh, engineering projects? So uh, to me, uh, having a balanced, effective team or members in the team, and also the team should ideally be cross-functional in its nature. So when you have the combination of balance member, team member, and cross-functional, cross, you know, cross-functionality, you have a perfect team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the engineering process, again, in my opinion, this is the hybrid process when it comes to working in a team or even alone. Engineering method is strongly rooted and inspired by project management principles. So it means that it requires different stages and milestones Uh, And uh, these milestones may need brainstorming or feedback as their mandatory steps. So uh, when you are dealing with the real world problem, when you want to find a solution for the real world problem, uh, you need to talk to the uh, consumer, uh, operator, uh, I mean, different level of uh, users and people who are dealing with. So... As I said, uh, most of our research uh, activities that we have uh, has an application in other fields, for example, in biomedical engineering, uh-huh. uh, in uh, chemical sensor fabrication, in advanced manufacturing, uh, in material science, and in our uh, daily activity in, in our lab, uh, we are meeting people we have, you know, a conversation with people in different disciplines. Sometimes we don't understand their language. Sometimes they don't understand our language well. But kind of, you know, all, this is something also that we have to overcome, to find a way, you know, to communicate. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it'd be helpful yeah. to have like multiple group members if you're trying to communicate with, you know, consumers in that sense. Yes, exactly. All right, so we have a lot of students in our audience. So I think this following question is really important. So how would you explain a complex engineering design or concept to a non-technical person, to someone who doesn't really have a lot of experience in the field of engineering? Yeah, uh, yeah engineers like doctors, like other you know, professions have their own lingo and mm-hmm. terminology for sure. It is very important to be aware of this when we are talking uh, to members of public, or as I said, I just said, explaining about the research project that we have. I'm working with biologists, for example. Uh, so uh, I believe using the simple real life example is the key uh, parameters here. It's the in fact, cornerstone of any good explanation and elaborations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to avoid uh, acronyms and jargon for sure. We should be concise. Uh, I mean, you'll need to teach your audience, for example, or explain to your audience some new concept that is far from their field of you know, study, profession, or research. Uh, it doesn't mean that we need to undersell the complexity of what we are explaining, but we should try to get to the point as quickly as, uh, and, uh, as possible. And as I said, uh, using a 
real life example, simple real life example uh, is very important. Mm. Yeah. So in general, what would you say are the most common ethical issues or dilemmas that an engineer might face? A really good question. Uh, we live in a business-oriented world. Mm-hmm. And for sure, the cost efficiency is number one priority when it comes to the you know, design and developing system or products yeah. in any industry, in any services. Uh, so this may put a pressure on the engineers who are responsible to design, you know, to maintain, inspect, and perform uh, many other activities. Uh, so uh, sometimes, you know, have finding a balance is difficult, but uh, as a good side, we saw, we see actually that the businesses uh, has started to understand the cost of the low, uh, I mean, the cost of the low quality to due to the early maintenance, for example. Mm-hmm. And also the reputation because of the competition, because of, uh, you know, all those competition nowadays, reputation is important. So they know that uh, the cost of the low quality, you know, could be very expensive for a company. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I should also mention role of uh, professional engineering society to mandate uh, some of the must re- requirement in terms of technical and ethical aspects. Oh, Interesting. So what is that? Can you provide maybe a little bit of an overview as to what their purpose is? Uh, So uh, in professional engineering uh, society, for example, there are some uh, code, some, uh, let's say, rule and policy that they mandated, for example, in different aspects of the industry. Mm -hmm. For example, let's say in uh, construction industry, uh, there are a minimum code that they need to follow for the fun, you know, foundation of the building for uh, electrical works or piping you know, work uh, in the building. And all those requirements, all those codes uh, are, man- I mean, in fact, developed, proposed and mandated by the you know, professional engineering. So kind of, you know, it helps to have a balance that uh, everything is not about, you know, uh, the cost of the you know, manufacturing or the cost of the project. We need to consider uh, high quality, maintenance, safety, you know. And in fact, actually in long term, even in short term, uh, we save more if we follow, you know, those instructions. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you mentioned earlier that uh, you've worked in and you studied in multiple countries. So would you say that these rules differ or are they just universal? Yeah. The logic for sure, uh, or let's say the foundation is the same. Uh, Ethics or rules in engineering. In fact, you know, uh, there are not big changes between, you know, country to country, except, you know, there are some minor things because, uh, because of the environment, because of the weather condition. Let's say, for example, in uh, uh, Iran, the power outage was 220 volts. Here is 110 volts, uh-huh. different amps, you know. So that's right. why it affects, you know, you know, on the other, you know, on, on the safety, for example, aspect of it, of wiring. In piping also the same thing. Uh, but uh, the main, or let's say the foundation is the same. Okay, interesting. All right, so 
obviously you've been in the field of engineering for a really long time. So is there an aspect that you do not enjoy as much in engineering? Yeah, as I mentioned, uh, the emphasis on cost efficiency issues. Right, okay. As a, I mean, as a constant, you know, burden. Sometimes, you know, it's really difficult, uh, you know, to find a balance point. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, finding this balance point is not always enjoyable or sometimes even it's not possible. Uh, so low quality in design and production outputs eventually result in high cost of maintenance and bad reputation, as I mentioned before. So, but uh, yeah, this is maybe the constant burden, something that, yeah. that is not enjoyable always. So our next question is, what are some of the benefits in working in the world of academia as opposed to the private sector? Yeah, working with the students who are passionate about their engineering field is always fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, working in academia, again, give me this freedom to uh, kind of, you know, switch my research area, my engineering work, you know, or engineering project that we have, for example, yeah. if I have a good idea or if I hear some about some good idea, I can define it as a capstone project for the student. I can ask some passionate student to come and work on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is not about making a profit. This is about the learning uh, process. That's why I really enjoy, you know, that flexibility, that freedom. And again, working with young people uh, is amazing. Energetic people, young people. I, I, I feel that actually uh, this is the best opportunity, you know, for me that uh, I didn't talk about it before, you know, uh, become a prof. Mm-hmm. So you could say that in the world of academia, it's kind of used for research and to progress knowledge in the field of engineering, whereas in the private sector, it's more using your knowledge in order to create profit. Could you kind of correlate those two? Uh, yes. Yeah, this is exactly uh, what I meant. And again, the freedom that we have in academia is different from yeah. because, mm-hmm. as I said, you find you tell me a good project, I'm going to, you know, I can start working on it. I can, you know, ask some student to join, you know, and work on it. You know, it's not about, you know, making a profit for university. It's about, I mean, the main profit for us is learning. I mean, or high quality uh, person that we train in, uh, in our, you know, program. They're definitely rewarding in their different ways. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So do you ever use your skills as a mechanical engineer in your day-to-day life? Yeah, for sure. I think being an engineer kind of, you know, change our vision and our mindset. to. You see things in a different yeah. way. Yeah. So, for example, I have something on my top of this. Recently, uh, we moved to uh, a new house. And one of the things that I was considering is, if I need to change the windows and doors to high efficiency one. Oh. Uh, so when I talk with companies, they say, yeah, this is 70% efficient, efficient, or this one is 60%. This is, I thought that, okay, 70%, 80% efficiency. It's, it doesn't mean that I'm gonna save 70%, 80% on the energy consumption. Right. Although they said, because I, said, I was working in uh, HVAC or, uh, ventilation, you know, engineering for many years. So I started to, to do my own calculation. Okay, so number of windows that I'm gonna change, this is the efficiency of the windows in terms of uh, losing temperature or heat. Then 
uh, I found that, okay, by changing those windows, I may save something around 10% on the hydro bill. But if I combine it by uh, doing a new isolation for the basement walls, exterior walls, mm-hmm. I can increase it to, you know, 30%. And that's why, you know, uh, <laughs> this is what, what we did recently. Yeah, that's really amazing that you can look at the world around you and use your mechanical engineer brain to sort of, you know, find solutions to everyday problems. Yeah. Um, so were there any other engineering fields that you considered before going the mechanical route? Yeah. Mm, I love mechanical engineering, but uh, I should yeah. say that industrial engineering and it's focused on designing better supply chain system and approach it in the mass production. This is something that... Yeah, they're quite similar. Uh, yeah, you... yeah, I'm question because manufacturing, you know, mechanical engineering is part of it, yeah. And how can, for example, we can develop a supply chain roadmap from a raw material to manufacturing, you know, from raw material supplier to final destination, and finally see the finished product in the hand of consumer. Uh, so the whole roadmap that mechanical engineering is part of it, yeah, is something that's really interesting about. Absolutely. Great. So uh, do you have any future aspirations or career goals that you would be interested in pursuing? Yes, certainly. Uh, uh, after uh, the physical reopening of the university, for sure, uh, I would like to initiate and encourage my students more to work with the industry mm-hmm. again. And uh, also, I uh, we have a couple of you know good projects that uh, the initial result they were very promising. I'm trying to encourage my student to uh, consider it as you know a startup, maybe company because yeah they put a lot of effort, a lot of dedication toward that project and. This is always amazing to see what we are doing in the lab, what we are publishing as a paper. Uh, it's very amazing to see that, okay, it's not a real world problem. It is a real product. And this is something that people use it because uh, yeah, fundamental research is crucial, is vital, but at the end of the day, those ones should be applied in our real or day-to-day life. So that's why, you know, I'm now considering, you know, uh, working with the industry more or commercializing a couple of our products, you know, uh, with my students. The journey from start to finish and seeing your products become truly applicated in real life is definitely something that's extremely rewarding. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's really, I mean, very, you know, kind of, you know, very satisfying. You see, then you see that, okay, you did something. You solve a problem and people use it, consumers use it and appreciate it. I mean, this is, I think, the best thing in India. Right. And you get to inspire other, your, like your students, you get to inspire them to also create products of their own. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes. So our final question is, what are some tips that you could give for students like us in high school looking to pursue a career in mechanical engineering? Uh, my advice, my tip to your audience, to, to, to the student is, please notice, uh, 
mechanical engineering so uh, it's very practical but it's based on uh, your secondary school courses such as math or physics you may also, you know, need to spend several hours per day with relevant software behind the computer in your uh, career as a mechanical engineer later. So my suggestion is to be aware of these things and think about your experience with these courses or subjects. Uh, so a student are often hesitant to taking sometimes, you know, to take in mechanical engineering because they think that, okay, there are a lot of people opt for mechanical engineering, so there will be more competition. But the actual scenario is that there are a lot of opportunity and career options also available from uh, medical engineering, from production, R&D, design, power plant, piping, biomedical engineering, automobile, uh, and so on. Uh, so also there are a lot of scope for higher studies as being a vast subject, you know, there are a lot of opportunity for higher studies to do master or PhD in mechanical engineering yeah. for sure. Okay, well, uh, Professor Kiani, thank you so much. Those that That's like <clears throat> really great insight that I think our listeners will definitely benefit from. But unfortunately, we've reached the end of this STEM Power episode. Sid and I would like to thank you so much for this opportunity to speak with you. This is my pleasure and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you all once again for listening to this episode of STEM Power and we hope you stay tuned for the next one. Mm -hmm.